Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and today I'm joined with Philip Gully, who's a pastor, writer, and speaker. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome back to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and I'm thrilled that you are joining us today. If you're a first-time listener, thanks for tuning in. If you've been here before, this is your second, third, 60th time, thanks for your continued support. If you have not done so already, I'd greatly appreciate if you leave a review on whatever platform you're finding this episode right now. Today's conversation is with Philip Gully. He's a pastor, writer, and speaker. I'm excited to dig and dive into his latest book, Unlearning God, How Unbelieving Helped Me Believe. In this episode, you're going to hear a bit more about Philip uh, walking us through his journey uh, to make room for new insights, perceptions, and truths to ultimately move forward. This process started in his 20s when he was questioning a lot of things um, and ultimately through challenges in the church uh, led him to, to seek more understanding in the perspectives and in- interpretations for beliefs. Uh, Philip speaks a bit more on empathy, uh, putting yourself in the place of others by directly entering into community, uh, really in the value and importance of doing so, um, and how this experience-based approach uh exemplified through entering into community and empathy um, is something that he continues to posture uh, with receptivity and openness, uh, which has greatly helped grow and transform his faith. We chat about um, his approach to the LGBTQ community, um, but then also uh, how he approaches others uh, who might not share his philosophical views as well. Um, Philip has a over 30 years of experience uh, in the pastoral realm, uh, and it is in the thick of these questions, um, and offers uh, also a biblical example to help understand his process of unlearning God. Sometimes it takes moving uh, and unlearning one thing before going on to addressing another concept. Is certainty a virtue? Phil shares a moving story uh, of someone whose world was shook, and how she expected it to be was not how it turned out in reality. Finally, we hear a word of encouragement from Philip uh, for those who are on this journey, uh, but then also just in general for those uh, who have enjoyed this episode um, and something that you can take home with you as well. So without further ado, let's turn it on over to the conversation with Philip. It was a great one, and I hope that you enjoy it as well. First off, congratulations on your latest book, um, which is set to release on September 25th, Unlearning God, How Unbelieving Helped Me Believe. Um, so I, wa- I just wanted to uh, to open up and hear a bit more about the inspiration uh, for what led to this to this uh, to this book, um, as well as a brief overview of what readers can expect if they decide to uh, to pick it up. Well, I think what the readers can expect is, um, if they're honest, is probably a journey and an, and an explanation of a spiritual journey that uh, probably mirrors their own. Um, 
the roots of this book began in my early 20s, uh, late teens and early 20s, when I began to question uh, many of the things that I had been taught uh, as a young child growing up in the church, first the Catholic Church, and then becoming a Quaker at the age of 16, and uh, having it occur to me, realizing that, um, that many of the things that I had been told were essential to the faith, uh, no longer seemed uh, to be of primary importance to me, uh, given my life experience, given what I had learned other places, and um, and uh, and just life life experiences and, and reflection on those experiences, um, and so uh, I was faced with a choice. Um, would it be possible to unlearn those things and to find my way uh, into a spirituality that resonated with my experience uh, even when that experience contradicted uh, what I had been taught as absolute truth. And uh, it was either that or just stop going to church, which of course many are opting to do. I think it's uh, the nuns, uh, meaning no religious affiliation, are, are one of the fastest growing uh, groups in, in uh, America today. And so that I perceived were, were my choices to be a nun or to be a, uh, or to unlearn what I had been taught so that I could uh, make room for uh, uh, new insights, uh, perceptions, uh, uh, truths, and, uh, and move forward. And, uh, and I opted to stick in. I opted to stay and, and uh, jettison uh, those beliefs, which I thought were inconsistent with the God I'd experienced. And... Uh, and, and carefully, as thoughtfully as I could, uh, begin again, mm. and uh, uh, or if you will, unlearning. And so that's what this book is about. When you mentioned that a lot of people right now, um, based on a previous experience or um, or maybe what uh, the culture or they've seen the church do in general have moved away from uh, religious affiliation as you mentioned it's becoming one of the most you know f one of the fastest growing groups or you know if, if you want to consider that group which is very interesting and i think it takes um in this it takes um, it takes seeking and it takes going ch chasing and going after truth t in order to 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 find that and again as or to to find to find something more, and as you mentioned, um, you know, it it, it it was important for you, and I, you know, I hope it's important for a lot of people. Um, but it, it was uh, something that 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 struck out too is the approach that that you've mentioned, unlearning God, um, and that I, I think immediately that might trigger for somebody the idea of um, of you know throwing everything away or maybe. Uh, putting everything to the side. So can you, can you uh, explain a bit more about, again, about your approach of how you ended up kind of re-collaborating or re-identifying the big, biggest elements of faith that you really need to, to unpack? And really with that approach, 
Um, well, what? I'll, I'll give yeah. you an example that I used in the store in, in the book. Um, one of the things that I was taught uh, at an early age was that the leadership of the church was invested in men only. Uh, that only men could administer the sacraments, only men could, could uh, serve as the head of the church in the role of a priest or pastor. And uh, this was uh, part and parcel of my uh, early church experience. And, uh, and, and one I uh, never questioned, the belief I never questioned uh, in, in all the years of my growing up, it just seemed like an obvious statement of fact uh, that could be uh, supported by the traditional church, by history, uh, by, by a certain uh, reading of the Bible, um, and, uh, and was a belief that I carried for, uh, for all of my childhood. And then I began to meet uh, in my early 20s, these uh, magnificent, bright, deeply spiritual, insightful women who were, uh, who were uh, wonderful leaders within their church communities. And um, at first, uh, I thought, well, that can't be right. Uh, um, how is this allowed? Uh, and I just continued to, uh, to bump into these women, to encounter these communities led by them, to, to witness the spiritual growth and transformation these women brought to their communities. And, uh, and it occurred to me that I had to unlearn uh, something I had been taught. I had been taught that God only called men church and uh, 
uh, events that occurred to me that the boat communities uh, uh, um, had the, the capacity to, to be transformative communities, loving communities, uh, in which God seemed happy and Dietrich could work through and in. And, uh, and uh, it eventually occurred to me that, uh, uh, that, that words and concepts like one true church uh, as if the others were false churches, was uh, um, contradictory to my experience. Mm. Um, and there are lots of things, and, and really, I guess, uh, uh, Unlearning God uh, is, about, um, is about those experiences. And um, um, I close by saying that I think I'm going to be spending the rest of my life unlearning God. And having to uh, um, rethink uh, the ways in which God is active in the world, and uh, and uh, through whom God works, and uh, and and any number of things, and that is at once frightening and and exhilarating. Mm. Uh, but it gives me a good reason to wake up every morning. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned in there, um, which I thought was really, really uh, interesting and uh, I think quite courageous and bold as well as putting yourself in the shoes of other people who have um, who are experiencing uh, this, uh, you know, disinclination or at the at this extreme and, and, you know, hatred from the church and from from others outside of the church as well. Um, and and putting yourself into the perspective of the journey that they're going through by, again, by being, being with them, you know, putting yourself into a community where that's part of your frequent discussion and dialogue. Um, and I, I, I think that's incredibly formative for um, getting to understand others as well. And I wanted, I wanted to kind of building on this concept um, you, you know, you speak to that as one kind of mechanism. I want to know if you've, how you've uh, used, you know, biblical text or like putting yourself into the, maybe into the, the author of, of the authors of these, of these writings or putting yourself in the position of what the meaning and interpretation is in biblical text and uh, uh-huh. kind of exploring from there of if that's been something that has helped shape shape your uh, your viewpoint and in way that you end up engaging and interacting as well. Uh-huh. Um, well, it certainly is at one point when, uh, uh, when when I became a Protestant, there was a shift away from the authority of tradition, uh, that is the authority of historic, the church's historic teachings, which had been emphasized in my Catholic community, um, uh, uh, to towards a shift in the, the uh, biblical authority, uh, which was the uh, which was the model of authority in the evangelical Quaker Church uh, I attended at the time. Um, as I moved out of that community into a more progressive. Um, the community, and as I began my own theological training in seminary and, and other graduate schools, um, uh, I began to appreciate the uh, authority of what 
of what Quakers call divine leading or inward light. Uh, that is the conviction that God, um, that God's Spirit, the Spirit which gave forth the Scripture, is our ultimate authority, and that this Spirit can be tested within the context of a uh, spiritual community which is dedicated uh, to the principle of truth and correction, of, uh, of insight, of, of, um, of, of the careful consideration of, of where God might be leading us. Um, and so I, became, I began to move out of biblical fundamentalism into uh, a, a system of uh, authority or knowledge, if you will, of, uh, of, uh, that was based on, on my experience of God and the experiences that others had of God. Uh, our, our conversations about that, uh, uh, our openness to the reality that God uh, has a history of speaking through uh, a variety of and that, uh, and that, therefore, the appropriate posture in our spiritual journey should be one of, uh, of receptivity, of openness, of, uh, of careful reflection, um, and uh, in, in order that, uh, that we might grow and, and learn. Uh, this, it seems to me, is uh, a bit riskier. Uh, than, uh, than a, a church which says, you know, we're the authority, follow us. Um, uh, and a bit riskier, perhaps, than a church that says everything we need to know is in the Bible. Uh, but it seems to me uh, that, uh, that this approach allows God to still speak to us and, uh, and, and puts us in, in a posture of, uh, of um, spiritual openness and, um, and, and growth, which have, uh, as I age have become more and more important to me. Um, this conviction and realization that I don't know it all uh, and that there's more to learn and that, uh, and that a posture of, uh, of uh, receptivity is therefore appropriate for me. Yeah. A few points in there that um, wanted to kind of draw out and, and elaborate on. One of was um, reflecting again, go, based on your experience, going from uh, that that you know much more leaning on tradition um, in the Catholic Church, from what it sounds like, to uh-huh. to being more uh, based on the text and the the evangelical um, uh, church that you were part of, and then. But and now experience experiencing the spirit as well. So being able to again experience these different components and and see, I, I think again being able to experience it when you're when you're able to experience those, you're able to speak to them a lot more um, than if you were maybe just theorizing about uh, about what these different churches believe. And, and but I think that that ultimately strengthens again your if you want to say case or your belief. And what you decide to move forward with. So on the this on the process of unlearning, um, 
but then more so of how how the unbelieving help me help you believe how do you once you've unpacked these these different elements right you you're you can feel lost you can feel like there's a lot of <laughs> different things going on you're not really sure where to prioritize and okay maybe this is this is something that this is for example on on your on the example of uh, just in general on the example of um, uh, on gender for lesbian or gay or uh, and you know those different those different elements seeing how the church or maybe what you were part of has had previously denied um, that they were you know that they were part of God's kingdom or that they were uh, to be included or accepted so how so I wanted to know, kind of moving from that, how were you able once you once you're able to understand that no, that's that we that that is not part of the gospel that we must include that as you said, you seeing God's spirit in them. How do we move forward to go to move forward into teachings and figuring out what is the appropriate way to 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 teach and to address uh, a topic for for the church and for the, the greater community? Well, I've, I've been a pastor now for 34 years, and uh, and what I've discovered is that uh, everything I've had to unlearn about God is something that is held dearly by many other people. Uh, that just because I have no longer found it meaningful or true to my experience doesn't mean uh, that others have also um, rejected it or unlearned it. Um, that these beliefs endure because they have great power. Uh, they are in some ways very comforting to people, um, uh, even though they're no longer comforting or helpful to me. That uh, they still help people kind of order their uniform first. And, uh, and so my pastoral practice has been to say that I will always honestly about the things I've had to unlearn uh, while being careful never to condemn others who, uh, who don't share uh, my uh, 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 who don't share my philosophy who don't share my priorities um, uh, that I won't uh, condemn them as morally inferior, as backward, as sexist or racist or homophobic. Uh, that I will that I will continually uh, and continue to view them as persons who, like me, are on a journey uh, whose experiences are not like my own, and who are doing the best they can to be honest to the reality they've experienced. Um, and really, I think that's the only way you can do it if you're going to be serious about community. Uh, uh, because otherwise, we're spending the rest of our, we're spending all of our times uh, condemning those whose experiences have not been our own. Uh, my, uh, for instance, uh, my thoughts on homosexuality uh, uh, began to change when I discovered my little brother, with whom I am very close, uh, was gay. And 
And uh, as he invited me to understand that uh, and his awareness of that and began to introduce me to other people. And as uh, the people in my meetings, in my Quaker meetings over the years, uh, uh, as I discovered they were uh, gay or lesbian, uh, and I also knew and had seen the presence of God in them working, um, I could just no longer uh, continue to believe the traditional church's teaching on that. And um, um, yeah, I have people in my congregation now who do not share that sentiment with me. And um, I, I just think to myself, well, one day they will meet someone who challenges their perception, and then they will have to rest with that. And um, I think that's, I think that's how we change. We meet people who don't look like us, who don't think like us, who don't act like us, uh, who don't live like us, and that uh, always changes us. Wow, no, so that I think that's powerful and the the approach that we must take, um, the the heart and the mind that we must have, kind of working in tandem for um, understanding uh, where people are coming from. Um, and yeah, I think being constantly reminded of this too, and not again, as you mentioned, not letting our condemnation step in the way of how we view somebody. Again, we're I think we're, right. as humans, we're quick to point out flaws in others, or, yeah, or rather... We say, yeah, we're very good at that. <laughs> very good. But you know, uh, Tyler, there's a, there's a biblical example of this unlearning God, uh, this process of unlearning God. Uh, and you remember when Jesus was teaching his disciples and said, you have heard it said, for instance, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Yeah. But I say to you this, and, and what is that but a pattern of unlearning? This is what you've been taught. You've heard it said, but I say to you. So uh, it seems to indicate that as Jesus went about and out into the world, what he was doing, and I think incidentally this is what got him in so much trouble and ultimately led to his death, mm. uh, was that as he met people, he... Uh, he engaged them and he engaged them by urging them to unlearn uh, things that they had been taught um, were sacrosanct must uh, have been taught that, that one had to believe these things to be a person of faith or, or a person of God and, and he went about un, undoing that you know you've heard it said but I say to you uh, and, and I think that's a powerful example of Jesus' mm. um, um, effort to help people unlearn so that something better could take its place. Yeah. That, it was, that it was ethically superior, spiritually superior to love your enemy and, uh, and turn the other cheek than it was to gouge out an eye if your own eye had been gouged. Um, uh, you know, that this movement toward forgiveness and away from retaliation was a better way. 
and that first we had to unlearn retaliation and got support of retaliation mm. so that we could learn God's support of forgiveness. And just the, 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 the final thought kind of on this, on this concept, and then I want to kind of move on a little bit as well, but um, for P, I think, cause I think there's this distinction of for how to, the approach for how we engage with people um, and, and how to unlearn these concepts, but also there's kind of the, 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 the part two or the, the next part, which is how do we find out what is justice for a particular issue? How have you kind of rebuilt your views, not around, not so, not so much around the 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 point that we should be unlearning, um, and that we should be have have acceptance, but also finding out how, what has been your approach and where have you found clarity in how do I deal with a particular issue? For example, as we had mentioned in gender, of how how should this continue moving forward? Like for for people who are questioning, what do I believe is the truth? You know, what do I find is the truth of where Jesus is pushing people toward, um, where the gospels push people toward? What kind of grounds have you come on, and how have you been able to get there? Well, well, for me as a pastor and as just a person in community with others, um, where I always begin is is by. Um, um, is by talking about the danger, the spiritual danger of certainty. Um, and the church uses a lot of certainty language. It expects us to believe without question. Uh, it encourages, it, it tells us that doubt is a sin um, and that we must believe with all our hearts. So there's little room mm. In, in a lot of American Christianity for ambiguity, for questions, for, uh, uh, for reflections that take us and assertions that take us away from settled truths and doctrines. Uh, we really uh, like our creeds. Uh, we love quoting people who've gone before us. Uh, as if people who are presently alive have little to teach us, uh, that, that somehow the insights of the ancients are more valuable than uh, uh, than what anyone might teach us today or or uh, think today. Um, so, so part of this is helping people get over one our fascination with the past and our and our belief that certainty is a virtue. And I found the best way to do that as a person is just to kind of, is just to model openness. Uh, uh, I often make it a habit in my uh, preaching, for instance, to uh, uh, to uh, if I give a, a message, uh, to simply end occasionally by saying, "Of course, I could be wrong." And, uh, or I might not believe this five years from now. Uh, or I used to believe this, but no longer. And what that does, I think, is signal to people um, that, um, that spirituality is far too complex and important to arrive early on at settled answers. And, uh, 
uh, it has a way of closing doors, of uh, shutting people out. Um, so I always urge people in this process of unlearning to uh, uh, don't do it if all it's going to do is move you from one certain thing uh, that will be replaced by another certain thing. What we must develop is, is the habit of, um, of uh, ambiguity, of, of not being sure, and being okay with that, that that's not a sin. Uh, uh, that, 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 is, uh, that that is a proper orientation to the divine and, uh, and, and allows us then to be uh, receptive when God speaks and moves in our presence. Absolutely. There's going back to one of your earlier points is being, you know, finding yourself in a place where you're, you know, you have one, one neighbor across the street who believes one thing, another next door who uh, believes another thing. And they both think that they're right. And that the other person is, you know, again, they're condemning the others. The other person's going to go to hell or the other person is completely wrong as well. Yeah. So you know. I remember a, uh, I wrote a book, oh gosh, uh, 13 years ago called If Grace is True, in which I argued for uh, universal salvation, that in my experience, God is unswervingly committed to the eternal well-being of all people. And as you can imagine, I caught a lot of flack for that book. Uh, and a pastor called and wanted to meet with me and told me, uh, I'm going to bring my Bible and I'm going to show you all the verses that prove you're mistaken. And I said, that's fine. I said, I assure you, I've read all those verses and I used to preach them. And uh, so he presented me with a list and I said, now I would like to, since the Bible is your authority, I would like to present you with some biblical verses that suggest the universal nature of God's salvation. And, uh, and I said, in fact, I'd like to read one to you. And as I began to read that scripture, uh, he covered his ears and began chanting, I can't hear you, I can't hear you. And uh, um, every time I think of that, I think, is, is that the proper orientation that, uh, that we should have uh, toward other people? To close our ears and to say over and over again, I can't hear you, I can't hear you. In what way does that please God? In what way does that honor a search for truth and an ongoing growth? Well, it doesn't. But I always remember that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's yeah. that's definitely memorable. I don't know. Yeah. For good or for bad. I think good in that for you're... It's a, yeah. it's a good teaching point for you now. <laughs> oh, gosh, yes. And a good reminder when I find myself metaphorically covering my ears saying, I can't hear you, I can't hear you. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's that's fascinating. Um, yeah, and I want to know kind of on the, um, what, maybe an example or a story um, from somebody in, you know, in your church or that you've seen along the way that, uh, that's been transformative um, for their uh, unlearning God and, and, count, and entering into a deeper investigation of their beliefs. Oh, yeah, gosh. I remember when I was pastoring a Quaker meeting up in Indianapolis, uh, a man and his wife began attending our congregation. And um, I wasn't sure why uh, they 
about them. A uh, a um, a uh, real appreciation for the fundamentalist approach to to Christianity, biblical literalism, and uh, and I thought, I wonder why they're coming to our Quaker meeting and specifically this Quaker meeting, which was a uh, which certainly appreciated the biblical witness and story, and uh, but but certainly weren't Americans. And I began, and I wondered. Um, and for the first year or so of their attendance, this uh, um, woman would uh, meet with me every Sunday after church and argue with me against my sermon. And I finally asked her, uh, you know, if this is so painful for you and difficult for you, why do you keep coming here? And uh, and she just simply said, well, because God wants me to. And uh, I said, why does God want you to? Does God want you to change us? She said, I don't know. That's, uh, she said, I'm trying to discern whether God wants me to change or whether God wants me to change you. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, that's fascinating uh, that you're asking that question and wrestling with that issue. Let me know what you finally discern. And uh, so this went on and on and on. They attended for years. And about five years in, into it, uh, she finally said, uh, it's finally occurred to me uh, that initially I thought God sent me here to change you, and that now I believe God sent me here because I needed to change. She said, I'm so much happier. I'm so much more joyful. And my husband has informed me that I am so much easier to live with now. And uh, and I thought that was about as rich an experience as I'd ever heard described. Uh, this um, this movement away from rigidity uh, to an openness that that really transformed her her personality, and it did. I mean, she went from being a very rigid, sometimes even cold person, uh, to a to a very warm and gracious. And, and tender person whom people were just drawn to uh, because of her mm. tender heart. Mm. And it was a joy watching that personality unfold. Um, and I think that's what happens uh, when we unlearn, uh, when we unlearn so that we can better learn. Mm. And uh, uh, we remain very dear friends Wow, uh, definitely a powerful story. Um, speaks to the to the testament of unlearning, and um, again, yeah, I think uh, that there's this expression in uh, in teaching or, or coaching. You know, the you go to to teach the the kids, or you go to uh, to coach the players or the athletes, and you end up learn. They end up teaching you a lot more about yourself than. Uh, yeah, and I'm sure you've experienced that as a pastor as well, seeing how your uh, your your community and has uh, has you know shaped and changed how you how you, a lot of things you know. Yeah. Every week, <laughs> I, I got in trouble with the Quakers after uh, my book on grace came out, and uh, they said, "Where did you learn this nonsense?" And I said, "I learned it from sitting in a Quaker meeting house." <laughs> <laughs> 
That's funny. That's really funny. Wow. So, um, so for folks who have decided that this, this is important, unlearning God is beneficial for helping me believe and strengthen my beliefs. What, what advice do you have for those who are entering or already on this journey right now? Well, I would say don't fear it. Um, uh, don't be cowed or discouraged from doing it. Uh, when others tell you you're wrong or that it's a sin or that God will be angry, uh, um, realize that other people do not have the right to, um, to inform you uh, how, what God thinks of you. Uh, that only God has that right. And that as far as I know, God has not vested that authority in any human agent. Um, so that uh, so that those who claim to be spokespeople for God are, I think, overestimating their role in, in uh, the cosmos. Uh, so don't be cowed. Uh, don't be afraid. Uh, enjoy the process. It's exhilarating. Uh, it's, it's at once fascinating, it's joyful, it's frightening, it's all of those things. But, but, don't, um, uh, but don't let any of those things hamper you or discourage you. Just, just uh, uh, keep, keep alive uh, this, this passion for learning. Wonderful. And um, just to, to conclude, I wanted to know uh, where people, if they're interested in learning a bit more about you or the book, where they can find you. And then if there's anything else that you uh, wanted to share, anything on your heart, I would you know op- open that up as well. Well, thank you. Uh, and with the, with the miracles of technology today, uh, people can go to philipgully.com and philip is spelled P-H-I-L-I-P. Is G-U-L-L-E-Y dot com and they can uh, download my weekly messages. There's no charge. It's all free. They can uh, it comes out in the form of uh, uh, the message that I give each week at my Quaker meeting. Um, uh, they can reach me through that website uh, and what I'm passionate about today uh, and, and would like to leave with people um uh, I guess it would be a comment about the, the, the about the heated political times we live in. Uh, a call to people to uh, uh, to not be discouraged, to uh, seek the best in all people. Uh, we Quakers are the same, but there's that of God in every person. Uh, and when I look out in the world, and, and specifically in our nation. Those with whom I am in political disagreement, um, I remind myself daily that there is that of God in them, and that, um, um, and I can never deny that. And and if I do deny that, I do I deny that not only at their expense, but at my own expense also. Uh, it means I am lesser than. Uh, when I insist that others are lesser than. Uh, so, 
Again, Philip, thanks so much for spending time with me today. Yeah, it was a pleasure hearing more about your book and um, your your story and your ministry. Really covered a lot of topics here, so I appreciate you uh, you sharing. I'm honored to do it. Honored to be invited, and uh, and we'd welcome a conversation with you at any time. Thank you.